0: This is our league, and this is your league. Broadcasting from the 55-yard line in Japan to the shores of the Great White North and everywhere around the world on Gridiron America Radio and the Sports History Network.
1: Welcome to From the 55 Yard Line, another beta test, this time with, as you can see, oh wait, right there, on StreamYard. And uh, we've got, (laughs) for those of you who are listening, um, you can watch this video over at uh, Gridiron America on YouTube, and uh, the link will be in the liner notes of the show. So it is, again, yep, you know, last week we had Howie Mooney sitting down with us talking. Well, Howie is back, and and Dave, with Dave and I. And we're uh, there was a whole whole discussion that we did not have, and that is um, CFL free agency. So last week, Howie took a whole bunch of notes that we never got to. So we're gonna <laughs> get to his notes today, and we're gonna talk everything free agency, and uh, well, go from there. Hey, is there an echo? I thought I heard an echo.
0: I heard something on too. my end. Yeah, I heard something too. So. It sounded like uh, like dogs trying to scratch through a door or something.
1: Okay. <laughs> and uh dave i'm good
0: okay all right. you didn't hear anything
1: okay all right so maybe it's just uh again we're, we're test driving new software but uh you know maybe maybe the StreamYard thing will work so but we'll see afterwards and you know go from there so anyway without uh without further ado with me rambling here howie Let's talk free agency, man. What's uh, Where do we start with um, CFL free agency?
0: Well, I guess the latest news is the biggest news. Uh, Tim White uh, was the about the highest-priced free agent that was out there, and uh, he re-signed with Hamilton. Uh, he was asking in the neighborhood, apparently, of $300,000 a year. He was the leading receiver in terms of yardage last year in the CFL, and uh, – There's a great article on CFL.ca by Don Landry, and uh, he uh, mentioned in there that there was one other team that was interested in White, and that was Ottawa, and uh, I messaged uh, Don to find out how close Ottawa may have been in terms of the negotiations there, but he hasn't got back to me at the time of this recording. So uh, Tim White back in Hamilton, and that's about the biggest news that, uh, that I've seen so far. Uh, I think I believe that the free agent period is, is is coming to a pretty big close now or pretty soon anyway. But uh, Tim White in Hamilton, back in Hamilton, a whole bunch of other things going on as well at the same time. But uh, just wondering what you guys think of that. Dave? I mean,
2: uh, well, I'm really curious at the end of the day, what he signed for. That, that, yeah, really- I'd like to know that, too. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I think at some point, because the, the one thing I've been reading about and listening to is this whole – issue about marketing money. You have you have the hard cap and then you have this floor of marketing money that doesn't seem to have a cap. So I'm I'm curious as to see how 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 free agency how free agency ends up with that with some of the the big names and how with so many players changing teams like how that how that came into play like how did that factor in?
0: Well you you look at a guy like Adarius Pickett, who was in uh, Toronto for uh for a long time and a great, great linebacker, and and he got permission to leave. I mean his, his contract was up, but he got permission to to uh go to Ottawa. Uh was and they called it a gentleman's agreement, which I found kind of interesting because you know, I mean I know that with, with the cap and everything like that that Toronto was getting rid of a bunch of people. A.J. Ouellette went out to Saskatchewan, which shocked me. I thought I loved A.J. Willette as a, as a running back and as a, as a fullback. He's kind of a miniature version of Jerome Bettis, I thought anyway. But, uh, you know, especially running straight ahead, he's, he's a hard guy to bring down. He's like a bowling ball. But it just seemed like Toronto was going to let him go. And, 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 uh, and it, they had no problem with that and uh, surprised the heck out of me. So for them to to lose Adarius Pickett and then to lose A.J. Willette and then to uh, sign Lirim Hairulahu, who had been in the CFL for a while previously, then went down to the NFL, played with about five or six different teams there. And now he's back in the CFL with Toronto. They let Boris Beattie go, who had just an amazing leg. He could kick one from 60. It didn't seem with any problem. Uh, and and now Boris Beattie's gone. I think he's in the he's in the West. I've, I've got to look that up where he is, where he re-signed. But... Uh, where he signed, but uh, Boris Boris Beattie gone, who was a real fan favorite in in Toronto as well yeah. as was as was AJ Willett. I mean, a lot of people were angry in Toronto at Pinball Clemens, which never happens. Pinball Clemens is is just the. the most I've never loved. heard a bad word about him. Never, yeah. never. And I mean, I met him a couple of years ago at a game, and uh, you know, just he's one of those people. And, I, I mean, I, I've said this a number of times. He's one of those people that he makes you feel like he's happier to meet you than you are to meet him when you meet him. Uh, and, and that's a small – there's a small group of people that are they're in that group. Uh, Jean Beliveau was in that group. Johnny Bauer was in that group. Uh, Walter Gretzky was in that group. Uh, but, uh, you know, pinball's in that group as well. And and uh, so for, for the Toronto – for some Toronto fans to turn on pinball was just a shock to me as well.
2: So – I guess the, the the question i I have off of that because I mean, just looking at the the roster changes looking at the players who are still available and looking out there and I don't mean to if I'm jumping ahead with this question but I'm just curious you think there was a concerted effort in Toronto to maybe cut some obviously cut some payroll but maybe then try and sign like sign like a lucky whitehead to fill some gaps like I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of if they got a, they released the fan favorite kicker, but probably got a cheaper kicker. They re, they, re, they let, they released a fan favorite running back and got a cheaper running back. Who's good. I mean, there's, I, I can't even care. He's very good running back. Got me lots of points in fantasy football over the years. <laughs> it, it just seems like they've downgraded in salary on positions to seems like almost put themselves in a position to make one more strike if possible. Just curiosity. Yeah.
0: I think that their goal, one of their priorities in the offseason was to re-sign uh, Chad Kelly a quarterback and then and then also to strengthen their offensive line. And I, I mean I believe that by like I said, like you said, Kadeem Carey's not a bad running back. He's a pretty good running back, the period. Uh he's a guy that a lot of teams would love to have. But to me, AJ Willette was a guy I, I just I thought he's young, you know, he's still got a bunch of good years left. Why not keep him? But I guess they thought otherwise.
2: I, I agree. I agree. And Saskatchewan got a deal. May that day. Oh. What a, what a, that was, that was such a, I would, I'm just thinking, I was shocked when I heard that because I didn't think he was going anywhere. It just seemed like he was a, he was a perfect fit for the Argos for years and years to come.
0: Absolutely. You know, and then you look at, at, at the Argos, they lost Trayvon Tate, one of their offensive linemen to Calgary. Uh, you know, a couple other guys as well. You know, on, on the defense, but but to me, seeing Boris Beattie go and the outcry after he left, and then the outcry after Willette left, that that uh, it struck me. It just really did. It struck me uh, intensely.
2: Well, I, I think the, the big thing is you just didn't hear anything. You didn't. You he didn't hear anything towards the end of the season. You heard nothing during the off season of we're going to release him. Like you just did not hear anything, and all of a sudden, boom, release. And then, boom! All of a sudden, it was just—it was just out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It absolutely was. I, I look at Ottawa, though, and I—I'm—I I, mean, having grown up with Ottawa football as a kid, and you know, having been in in the uh, in the building in, in at BMO Field in Toronto in 2016 to see Ottawa win the Grey Cup, hmm. my my hope, my hope. And you never know how this is. I mean, you could win free agency, but you can you can get, be killed in you know the regular season the following year. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's no correlation between one and the other. But I hope, I hope that Ottawa strengthened their lineup. I mean, as we all know in football, everything emanates from the line of line of scrimmage out. And if you yeah. have a good offensive line, you and a, a line that can block for the run and block for the pass, then you can pretty much do anything you want. But I mean, Ottawa's offensive line has been porous. Over the last few years, and I'm hoping would, as an Ottawa fan, that their offensive line is strong enough that that, that it can lead them to a postseason berth. Anyway,
2: right up right out the bat, you have a really good uh, quarterback discussion, and who's going to yeah. start? Like right, yeah, going to go right up till June 13th. Like it's going to be right up until that morning.
0: And I mean the way the thing too, the way that training camps work in the CFL, you never know. Who's going to last and who's not going to last? Yeah, I mean, I, I we we can go back years and years and years, and every year there seems to be a surprise guy that's packing all of his stuff into a green garbage bag, you know, part way through camp or two thirds yep. of the way through camp, and getting cut. A guy that everybody in the team loves, and you know, we yeah. we seen that we see that every year on every team.
1: And it goes to show you just how different the Canadian game is, too, because you get a lot of a lot of kids. You know, I mean, all of us are old enough now we can call them kids from down in the States that think, Oh, I, I can, I can, I can, I can tear up this league. And then they go up and they, you know, for whatever reason, just completely, cause it's com- a completely different game compared to what they're used to playing. And I don't know if it's because the field's wider, longer, three downs. I mean, I, I don't think it's the food. I don't think it's the culture. I don't think it, uh, I, I just, I've, it's always boggled my mind. Um, uh, when you see that, you see guys that were like, can't miss. And I mean, I we can go through the list of names that have come up from the States to Canada that have just never, never made it. So. Now,
2: question, question for Howie. Yes. Especially, especially quarterbacks. How long do you think, how long do you think it, it really takes for a quarterback who's coming from the States, played college football and then signs or comes up to, to CFL to really understand the throws understand the field the the width and and getting that ball outside it's it's such a different throw that you see so many so many quarterbacks just struggle with that even who
0: have strong arms it 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 differs per guy i mean every guy's different uh you look at a guy like like uh you know your your friend uh, uh uh you know uh who played in edmonton uh you know a great quarterback uh why am I having a brain cramp now? But anyway, I think of J.C. Watts when J.C. Watts came up from Oklahoma. J.C. Watts was ran ran the uh, the run, you know, the, the option basically uh, down there in college. He came up and was able to throw. He wanted to prove to everybody that he could throw the ball, and he was able to. At the same time, you had Vince Ferragamo come up, and Vince Ferragamo had taken the L.A. Rams to the Super Bowl, you know, two years or a year and a half earlier. Got to Montreal, could not could not handle the intricacies. Of of the Canadian game at all. Couldn't handle the wider field. He couldn't handle the 12th man. He couldn't handle the, the yard off the, the line of scrimmage. He couldn't handle the, the motion. None of it, none of it ever, ever resonated in with him. And he ended up going back to the NFL and, and playing there. But he he just could not get the, the CFL game whatsoever. Uh struggled all that 81 season while while you had a guy, a first-year guy in JC Watts uh come up. And lead Ottawa to the Grey Cup, and uh, they should have won the game. Uh, th- I mean, we're going back <laughs> more than forty years now, and and it still resonates. The d- double interference call on on uh, Tony Gabriel, uh, where both both guys were penalized at the same time, never been called before, and never been called since. The uh, referee who called made the call that that penalty. Uh, that was his last game working in the CFL. He was kicked upstairs and never seen on a field again. But uh, you know, you know, you talk about that, and it. it David differs, quarterback by quarterback by quarterback. Matt Dunigan was able to to absorb it. Damon Allen was able to absorb it, but a lot of other guys come up and they just can't. And it I don't know why that is. I I don't I don't want to say it's 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 between the ears, because that's not fair. Uh, you know, it, to be a quarterback at any level, you have to have it between the ears. Uh, right. But but just to get to to get to all of a sudden you have got 12 men on the field. You've got you've got your 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 offensive line, your five men, but then you've got a, an array of receivers. You've got slot receivers, you got wide receivers, you got guys in the backfield. You know, it, it, there's it's, a lot going on. There's yeah, a lot of movement. Yes. Motion everywhere. Yes. And and some guys can handle it and some guys just can't. And I I, I don't know if that's a a, an, a good answer to your question, but that's about the best no, it, answer that I can think of.
2: Perfect, because I've they, seen so many different so many different people respond, like how, how that works. And it's, it's really, I always look for um, a better, a better voice than myself. Cause I've seen it, but I, you, you've seen and witnessed a lot more than I have.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, then, I, I think of guys, sorry, I was going to say, I think of guys in the CFL that were quarterbacks in the CFL. I, I mean, you know, you look at Dieter Brock who played for, for years in Winnipeg. And, I was just going to ask you, I was just going to ask you about him. Yeah, Dieter Brock then went down to L.A. and and uh, Georgia Frontier. He loved him, and uh, uh, you know, played with the Rams for a while and, and uh, did well there. Did okay there. Uh, Jeff he Garcia, did great until
1: guy. he got. He did great until he got to that uh, eighty-five uh, NFC Championship and literally got mugged by the Bears
2: defense.
0: Yes, well, I mean, everybody got mugged by the Bears defense all <laughs> that year. Yes. Warren Moon. Warren Moon is a great example. A guy who was spectacular uh, in yes. in Edmonton. But I, I recall that 81 Grey Cup, too, where he just couldn't get things going in that first half. Ottawa, sure. Ottawa's defense, uh, they, they, they gave the appearance of, of blitzing, and then they, they would hold their linebackers back. And a buddy of mine, uh, Rick Sovieto, was a linebacker for Ottawa, uh, he, and he picked off a, a Warren Moon pass uh, in the first half. And I asked him about it, you know, years later, and he says, "Howie, I got lucky." He says, "Moon threw the ball so hard that it stuck in my face mask, and I just couldn't." So, and, but you know, Rick, Rick was such a, a he was such a wonderful guy, such a modest guy. And if you look at the, if you go back and look at the at the uh, the tape because it's on YouTube, you can find it. Uh, he made a great play on it. He 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 knocked it out of the air. It hung there for a second. He grabbed it and. You know, didn't want to make any mistakes with it, so he just fell down to the ground. But, but he made a great play on it. It didn't stick in his face mask. But Rick is such a was such a wonderful, wonderful guy.
1: And then there's Joe Cap.
0: Joe Cap, yeah, another one. Absolutely. I mean, you look at Doug Flutie too. Doug Flutie, yeah. the the, uh, the hard time that he had in the in the NFL because he wasn't six foot five, and uh, comes up to the CFL and it has the mobility that that uh, you know is such a plus in the Canadian game with the wider field uh, and, you know, unless there's a, a spy on him all the time, you, you know, he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. And, and he did in the CFL and then went down back down to the NFL and was just had, had the biggest steel job of, of anybody when he wasn't allowed to play in that last playoff game uh, and, and um, you know, just in Buffalo and, and, ah, you know, we, we all, everybody up here in Canada was cheering, became Buffalo fans. Uh, you know, when, when he went back down there, and then it was, I can't remember which Johnson it was that was the bat, the other quarterback in Buffalo at the time. But, you know, he went in there and and, and did nothing. Rob. Rob Johnson. Thank you. I'm sorry, we, Dave. You, I should have asked oh, you right away. We, we, we don't talk about that game because it was a forward lateral. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh. That is correct. But
1: that... And, uh, I guess. Yeah. And then lastly, just about going back to the Joe Cap thing. Joe Cap is one of my favorite trivia questions. Who is the only
0: quarterback ever to win an NFL and CFL title? Yeah. And and who's the only coach to win an NFL? No, sorry. And he didn't win an NFL title. Uh, but uh Bud Grant won Bud an Grant
2: NFC. won an NFL title. NFC. Perfect.
1: No, they were still the NFL. That was the last oh, year before okay, the right.
0: merger. You're right. You're right. You're right. That you're my mistake, last yeah. Yeah.
1: I And it's funny with that because you know, anytime I would toss that out on social media, it's like throwing meat. You know, especially it's like throwing meat out to the pack of wolves. That 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 was it. No, no, no. Oh, no the trophy, the trophy said, said NFL title. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're, right. you're right. So, hey, anyway, yeah. I digress. That's okay. So. So back to free agency. So what what other moves did we have, for that surprised you, for
2: where
0: we're currently at with the free agency? Well, how about you, Dave? What's what move surprised you?
2: I mean, um, yeah, those, those the the basically two guys from Toronto were were the with the big just the biggest surprise. Like I said, I just did not see them. And and I guess my next would be I wasn't I guess I wasn't looking at Winnipeg to to make splashes, but how quiet they were that well, I, I guess I, that surprised me
0: for for me i wrote down in, in my one of their priorities was to get brady Oliveira and and uh, shown uh locked up and they did that they did both guys and, and what they did too by signing dalton shown to the amount that they did they kind of lowered lowered the market yes. for a guy like tim white when it, when yep. it came time for tim white to sign you know, Hamilton said, "Well, look what Sean uh, just signed for. We can't give you three hundred thousand. We'll give you, you know, X." But uh, yeah. uh, it wasn't it wasn't the three hundred thousand that he was looking for. And I, I guess
2: I never really, I never looked at those two. I guess I was I was looking at those two as automatic resigns. I, I really didn't think, I didn't think Winnipeg was going to let. I, I would, I guess, venture to say I, I see Winnipeg lose somebody else than than lose those two guys when it when it came time to to focus on who to resign. And then, and then who to let go. I mean, it's just, I, 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 I guess that was just the way I thought.
0: No, I, I, I get that. Um, and I don't know if you've heard this, Dave or Greg, but uh, some of the rumors that were coming out over the last month or so, like Mike O'Shea being lured to coach in the NFL, which I just, I, I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, I thought that but, was I weird mean, too. Uh, but n- you know what? Nothing would surprise me. I mean, I'm an old man now. Nothing would surprise me, but I, I think in the back of my mind, I would feel kind of surprised or betrayed or something. If, if Mike O'Shea was to leave the CFL, it's just, he's just one of those guys.
2: We wonder if the, I don't know if you can do this, but I can see him as one of the people the CFO wouldn't let leave. You can't go. <laughs> uh,
0: well, but you know what though? There are, there are owners in the NFL. Uh, Not all not a lot, but there are some that look at the CFL as as kind of a proving ground. And I mean Mike O'Shea, if anybody's proved himself in the CFL, it's Mike O'Shea.
1: And but unfortunately with the CFL, the last CFL coach that came down was Mark Tressman, and you know he was two two years and done with the Bears. And to me, I mean watching that whole thing unfold in Chicago, Mm -hmm. um, the way the talk was, I mean, it went, I mean, the CFL was completely dismissed when he got hired and the reputation of the CFL only got worse because of his poor performance. So the, so then it makes me wonder because of Mark Trestman, do CFL coaches have a chance now, you know, do any, I mean, do, do NFL owners, are they even looking at the CFL? For, when I for when I think coaches. of
0: Mark when I think of Mark Trestman though, Greg, when I when I looked at him, how much of okay, how much of the record, coupled with his very quiet demeanor, uh, combined to to uh, make people dismiss the the CFL and Mark Trestman the way that they did.
1: And I think that's it. I I don't you know his demeanor, the way he approached the game. I mean, we clearly clearly everybody, I mean, he, you know, he won a championship. Help! He went back and won another championship afterwards. Yeah. So, but then again, too. Let's let's be honest with you. It's the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and that whole that whole franchise is just nothing but dysfunction. As we, you know, God, I've lost count how many coaches have come and gone since he
0: got let go. Side question, right here: uh, What does Chicago do at the draft this year?
1: Well, I don't know. I, you know, I would actually defer to. To my friend, John Gunning over at the Gridiron Japan podcast, because he's a, even though he's from Ireland, he's a bigger Bears fan than me. He's more kind of tuned into that than I am. My, uh, listen, I've been watching the Bears for, God, 50 years now. They know how to screw things up. (laughs) And I'm just expecting that, you know, I mean, hell. They traded up for Mitch Trubisky and passed on Patrick Mahomes. That's all you have to know. That's really yeah. all you have to know about this franchise. My Cardinals, not much better. Um, though I still say if Kyler Murray flames out, he's going to the CFL because he's built for the CFL.
0: Yes, but I think that now a lot of NFL GMs and a lot of NFL coaches are a lot more open to a Kyler Murray style or Lamar, you know, Lamar style of, of quarterback than they ever have been in the past. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, they say it, they, they're, it's gotten to the point now, and you saying that, they've even, they say it all the time now, it seems like on TV, they're always mentioning how the NFL has become much more like the CFL in terms of just the style of play, the whiteouts, And, you know, it, there's that, you know, nobody, nobody has a fullback anymore. I mean, you've got really one or two guys pounding the ball, but the fullbacks pretty much disappeared. So, but the NFL, their style of play now. Yeah. It's, it's all, you know, you look at it and going, Oh yeah, they do. You know, they've been doing this
0: for years in the CFL. Well, the running back on a second or third contract is disappearing too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you look at Saquon and Saquon's looking around for a team now and, uh, I don't, know, I don't know what to say I mean uh, it's terrible but the game has changed so much too uh you, you know and I, I don't want uh, there are clouds out there and I don't want to start yelling at them because I'm you know but, <laughs> but that's how I feel right now i, I you know d- d- you know bemoaning the fact that that running backs aren't aren't as important as they used to be I, I, I might as well be an old man yelling at clouds yeah it's okay though I mean it's it I mean that era
1: of football that we grew up with I mean let's face it it's gone but it's probably gone for all the right reasons because let's face it um you look at the injuries these guys went through the head can, uh, the you know just everything guys dying young your dave Dewarsons. the 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 game is a lot it, it's still a it's still a brutal game but it's it's become safer and at least you know hopefully these guys these kids are going to live longer because of the fact that the style of play has changed,
2: well, and I will I also jump in and say I think the quality of the athlete is just oh it's yeah. just it's grown leaps and bounds. Like it's running back committee now because you need that you need that fresh running back on every single play. You can't ride a Walter Payton for thirty five carries a game or or, or Otis Anderson or, or name that running back who get thirty five carries a game. You just it just doesn't you, you want you. 10, 12 rushes, 15, next guy up, and just keep rotating players in because that's how that's how thin the margin of error now is in the NFL. It, it's, but then you'll
0: it's, hear individual guys saying, I need to touch the ball 20 times a game in yep. order to, to to feel like I'm in the game. Yep. Yeah. And Barry Sanders, Sanders is my guy, by the way.
2: <laughs> that went, through, went, went through a whole season, went through a couple seasons with uh, Stefan Diggs here in Buffalo. Yeah. He, he wants to buy and give it to, him. like, like he is a great wide receiver, and I can understand when you have a lot of weapons, and you have Josh Allen, who's going to run 10, 15 times a game, that's 10 or 15 less passes, so it, it's, I understand completely, and he, he just came out the other day, and said he wanted to retire as a bill, so that was, that was nice to hear him say, but, um, but it's just, it's just changed, it's not the, the, the style of of going back and I'm going to date myself here with Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed. Those are the, the, the three, the three pegs of the bills offense for a decade. And then you have yeah. you, you wheel in James Lofton or a Don Beebe here and there, and you get changeable tight ends. But those three guys were there the entire time.
1: Yeah. 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 It's just, and, um, and Dave, it's funny. Cause you mentioned well, that it. used to be yeah, the, 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 the
0: standard th- thing is for a team to have a three headed monster. You know, yes. everybody yeah. had the three-headed monster in in, in Dallas you Cowboys? had Aikman, yeah. you had uh yeah, you know, uh, uh, Michael Irvin and uh and and uh my, my brain's gone today. But you know who I'm talking about.
1: And uh yeah, Smith. Um, yeah, and uh, and it's funny too, because we're sitting here talking about guys of yesteryear, and I just dawned on me as we're standing like Dave's the youngest of the group here. So his <laughs> frame of reference <laughs> Not and much, I'm, And I'm, and I, well, I'm, and then I'm thinking back, you know, back with the Steelers in the seventies, you had, you know, your three headed monster. Um, nobody gives credit to Terry Bradshaw for winning any, for, for, for winning all those, you know, for winning four Super Bowls. but he had Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer in that backfield. And then he yeah. had Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. So, yeah. um, and you can even say with the Cowboys too, mm-hmm. I mean, with Staubach. um, you know, Tony set in the backfield, and then his, yeah, it just he can
2: go, yeah. It uh, I'm sorry, it, it's just so hard to comp- like I look at Terry Bradshaw stats. Two of the two of the four Super Bowls he won, he threw more interceptions than touchdowns during the season. <laughs> I, get, I get it, but it was a, the, the passing game was a whole different animal yeah, well, in, in the early I eight. Mean, we're
0: we're going down another tangent, but I mean yes. when people <laughs> discount when people discount Joe Namath, it just drives me crazy because. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have the the, the numbers that you'd see, the, the, the uh, video game numbers you'd see today. But at the same time, as we have said, it was a different game in, in the 60s and in the, in the early 70s than it is yeah. today. It's not the same. It's not as quarterback friendly. It's not as receiver friendly back then as it is now. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, you know, and that's the thing now. But now we're in a, in an era where, you know, just talk about Joe Namath's impact, the cultural impact yeah, and I think we're we're getting back to that now, where you know I know there's a lot of celebrity going on with with football. And I think, like with Mahomes and the Chiefs, with Travis Kelsey, um having that pizzazz, having that celebrity thing is a good thing because it for old guys like us, it keeps that fan base young. And so, Howie, let me ask you: With the CFL, where where do you think we're at with the CFL with getting younger fans? Is it? Do you, are you up there? Are, are people talking more about the CFL now than they were a few years ago? Because this has been going around around for years. Just talking it about has been, and I think it
0: depends on what city you're in. But what I've noticed too is, oh, I want to say the last twenty five years in Quebec. Uh, football has really, really gained a, a stronghold there. And I'm really, really happy to see it. I mean, you've got uh, Laval University uh, in there in Quebec. And I think they're called the Rouge Or, the red and gold. And uh, they've become a football factory, a CFL factory uh, for players coming out of there. But it's not just there now. I mean, in Montreal, the Caribbean, uh, they've, they've, you know, football, university football in Quebec has become so strong over the last 25 years and uh you look at you look at how crazy people were in montreal last year for their for their Grey cup champion alouettes and and it it makes me happy and it makes me um optimistic that it can happen in in a whole bunch of other markets i mean you don't you never had to worry about that in saskatchewan because the whole province is green and green and white and they love their rough riders uh, but, you know, in other places, it kind of goes up and down. I mean, even Edmonton, back, you know, 40 years ago, the Edmonton, if you had ever thought the Edmonton Eskimos would not draw 50,000 a game, uh, you know, you'd be crazy. And and they built that stadium, Commonwealth Stadiums, t- you know, to hold 50-some thousand people. And now they have trouble filling just the lower part of it. Uh, and, you know, it, I, I think, I believe that everything goes in waves, Uh, and, and, uh, you know, there are times when everything's popular and there are times when everything's not. And I mean, in the nineties, you had the, the league so strapped for money that they, they expanded into the United States. And, uh, you know, uh, but every, like I have I've lived long enough now to see a lot of things go up and a lot of things go down and then a lot of things go up again and a lot of things go down again. And, and I'm a firm believer in, in that wave theory. In, when it comes to a lot of things, when it comes to sports, when it comes to individual players' performances, uh, you know the waves can be narrower, the waves can be wider, but th- but everything goes in waves like that, and I, and I have no doubt that the CFL is is on it's on an upswing, yeah, in a lot of markets, um, and it's just a matter. I mean, in Toronto last year, we saw we saw a, a wonderful wonderful upswing in terms of of uh, fan. Uh, engagement last year, especially when it came to them getting into the playoffs. And, and, and I mean, they ended up losing to Montreal it, it, but uh, you know, I believe that, that in Toronto, it's on the way up. And and if you've got a healthy league in Toronto, uh, you've got a healthy league or if you have healthy team in Toronto, you've got a healthy league. And that that's always been my belief. I mean, I think back to when Leo Cahill was coaching uh, and general managing in Toronto in the late sixties and early seventies, and everybody hated Toronto. And attendance was up everywhere in the CFL because people would go to the parks, wherever the city, the, whatever city they were playing. When the Argos would come to town, they would go to watch the games, to hate watch the Argos. You know, people would scream at, at, at the, the Argos players and, the, and, uh, and Leo Cahill because the team was built in his image. They were brash. They were cocky, but they were good. And I think that the league needs that. They need a team like the, like, they need a villain. They need a heel, like, like, like wrestling has heels and, and, and baby faces. The, the CFL needs a definite heel to make everybody else come out and scream at them.
1: And, um, with the great cup being in Vancouver this year, that's a perfect opportunity. I mean, that's another thing too that I don't think people are really talking about yet, but the opportunity there. Cause I mean, traditionally, I mean, the great cup usually, You know, to me, I mean, this is, I have yet, since I've been watching the CFL, I have not seen a Grey Cup in Vancouver. Since I've been watching it via internet, via network TV in the States. So this is going to be the first that I I can't even remember the last
0: time Vancouver held a Grey Cup. Do you remember? Off the top of my head, no, but I know that they have yeah and, but it, it's 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 great to see they have a beautiful I mean Vancouver's beautiful stadium, period. The, yeah, the stadium yeah, the stadium's
1: been rebuilt because they rebuilt yeah. it for the I mean they they redid it for the Olympics and everything. Yeah. and but I think this is going to be a perfect opportunity for really with this great cup in Vancouver because you got a, a, a new owner in Vancouver who is bending over backwards to bring people into the stadium to get yeah. the fan interest going and he's done a good job. I think this is going to be the year that the CFL really shines, especially on the international stage and hopefully, and on the national stage with, um, with,
0: to increase fan interest. I agree with you. And I think that the, the league needs more owners like him, uh, you know, just to, just to get things rolling. I mean, I remember in Ottawa and this doesn't have anything to do with the CFL, but it, it has something to do with, with the topic. Um, Ottawa, their junior team, the junior hockey team, the 67s, uh, they were kind of stagnant under, under the ownership of of Howard Darwin and Earl Montagano. And and they're both wonderful, wonderful people, but their idea of marketing was games on Sunday night at, at seven, be there. Uh, and that was it. And then Jeff Hunt came in and just started blowing the doors off marketing wise. And all of a sudden you had the place, the arena was full again, you know, with five figure attendances and, uh, you know. Not to say anything bad about about uh, Mr. Darwin or Mr. Montagno, because I mean, I remember those guys as being just amazing people. But sometimes you need that infusion of new blood just to get things just get things feeling a different way again and and get the fans interested in something that they hadn't heard before. And and like you said, in Vancouver and B.C., it's, it's happening. And I remember living in Vancouver. And having a hard time getting guys on my hockey team to go. I oh, want well, let's go see a football game, guys. yeah, you know, no. But now it's it's a totally different story.
1: And uh, there's the, another subject that on social media that came up, and I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but uh, Milt Stegall brought up the subject of American expansion. <sighs> <laughs> That's exactly my
0: That was exactly my uh, my response when I saw that. Yeah, I saw it, and I yeah, I, I may have seen your post about it. I'm not sure, but but when I when I read that, I was like, uh, oh, we we went through that. I mean, I have talked to players, guys who played in the CFL at that time, and I mean, they loved the parties. They loved going to, to the American cities that they would never would have seen otherwise for the parties. And and I I mean, Kenny Verrer, who was who was a receiver in Hamilton and in Ottawa, he he loved. He has friends. That he made, you know, in, in Baltimore and in different cities all over the U.S. where the, where the CFL was played because of that. But, he, I mean, Ken's the kind of guy, He every if, you, if you're his friend for a day, you're his friend forever. I mean, he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. You know, and Darren Joseph was another guy who played uh, in the CFL at that time. And both of them agreed right away, right first thing. With The CFL did that for the cash. And that was the only reason they did it. And, I mean unless they're doing it for the cash this time, which I hope touch wood that they're not just doing it for the cash because I hope they don't just need the cash uh, like that. I, I, I mean, I hope, I hope he's just talking through his hat. I, I Well, and that's kind of how I kind of read it
1: too. Um, and, but then he also, I, I forget where, if it was him or somebody else mentioned markets and obviously the markets that they, they focused on were in Dave's neck of the woods up in uh, upstate New York. <laughs> Dave, what do you think?
2: No. <laughs> I, 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 w- I would love to see a few more teams, but I don't want to. Yeah, no, I just don't. I just don't. I, don't I, I, I guess I just see the NFL just being too much of a juggernaut here. Um the the only the i mean at the end of the day the only i think the only cities that it could possibly work is if you if it was a city shunned by an nfl team or or a team that has some kind of history with the cfl because i just don't think you could go into just a just any market if you went to rochester new york you went to rochester new york and put a cfl team here i just don't i just don't it's just not what about a place like st louis well, you know, here's
1: here's my take on that. Because the United Football League obviously has their flag planted in St. Louis. And it is, I mean, for as big of a critic, everybody who's listened to our show knows I am of the UFL or the XFL. Really, to me, it's still, it, it's it, the XFL, UFL, not so much the USFL, but, you know, that's a whole nother that's a whole other topic. But the the UFL has got their That's our flagship franchise. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with the UFL. I mean, you know, a lot of promises have been made, a lot of hype's out there. In fact, so much hype that I've kind of had to turn it off on my social media feed because it's just become too much. Um, But let's just say hypothetically that the UFL just falls flat, but the St. Louis franchise does well, kind of like with the old Cleveland Browns of the AAFC. Completely dominant team, attendance. Attendance-wise, performance-wise, yet the league went away. If that happens, you're going to start seeing rumors and speculation about the Battle Hawks joining the CFL. I don't think it's going to happen because, number one, you got to have a stadium that fits the CFL field, and St. Louis does not have one, at least not right now, unless they're building a a soccer stadium that can – you know, they can move
2: and reconfigure,
1: but yeah, I don't see it happening. Dave, what do you think? I,
2: and and I if, if the CFL if if that was brought up to make to get that tenth team to round it out, and I I, I can see them tracking the UFL progress in, in St. Louis. And I mean, remember too, is I don't know I don't know if they spend all that money that Stan Kroenke and the NFL gave them yet. So oh that's right. I forgot about that. They're, they're sitting on about well I'm not sure if they're sitting on it anymore, but they received $800 million from the wow. NFL and and Kroenke when when the Rams left. So there's been a lot of talk of how they're using that. I'm I'm assuming they're probably used a lot of it, but that that's found money. So I mean, yeah, I, I could yeah. see them. I I could see them maybe not maybe not building a new facility, but I could see them spending some money to retrofit that. It's got more than enough seats if they took out some seats to to uh make the field fit i mean like i said it's wild speculation but um that would be uh that would be a uh it seems to be a logical spot to look for a 10th team if it doesn't happen in canada
0: i know personally i'd rather i think i'd rather see a team in halifax or quebec city than go to the states that's just me i agree
2: i'm 100 I'm with you yeah me too
1: i think they need to grow the game in canada period yeah
0: But the problem is they've been wanting to do this. They've been talking about a team in the Maritimes for decades. Uh, I can remember them talking about the Atlantic schooners years and years and years ago. I can remember in 2014, 2015 uh, when the red blacks came back in the way that they, the way that the city of Ottawa had revitalized that whole area around the stadium, putting restaurants and, and bars all around it and and making it a kind of a, a place to be. Uh, and and the people from from the Maritimes in Halifax looking at that and saying this is perfect this is absolutely perfect and and uh I mean they were talking about building an area modeling it exactly the way that Ottawa had built their area around around the uh uh, the stadium and I can I mean I remember as a kid when none of that was there uh you know it, it was just it was just pavement it was all just pavement and uh uh, but Ottawa is a funny city that way. I mean, you've, you've got the residents around the uh, the stadium where the, where the stadium is. It's a very nice part of town, and they don't like having all the noise and all the traffic and everything on game days. It's like, uh, you know, like Thurston Howell III saying, "Good heavens, love you, Yale man." Uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> and that's that's how it is. It's it's a funny place. It is a funny place to quote uh, somebody from the uh, Monty Python and The Holy Grail. <laughs> And with Quebec
1: City, though, do you think Quebec City has a better shot of? I think a team? I think at this
0: point, very right now, yes, I believe they do. I believe they do. Uh, the way that, like I said, football has grown in the last twenty-five years, thirty years. Uh, I believe that uh, there could easily be a team in Quebec, uh, just as easily as there could be in Halifax right now.
1: And what about London too? Does that? Uh, do they, I that remember London talk about London.
0: I can remember talking about London about fifty years ago. Expanding to London and was a very very real prospect at that time, uh, but I haven't heard much about London um, in the last oh few decades. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, and that, and that may just be my fault. May that may just be me not having my ear out enough. But uh, I remember London more in the early '70s than I do uh, anything in the in the 2000s. Right,
1: and then I was going to even suggest Windsor. Because drawing on that whole Detroit area, I mean, it's still, a, Windsor is part of a major metropolitan area. But obviously with the right now, at least right now, with the success of the Lions, just, you know, I mean, nobody's going to attend a, a CFL game um, or at least give a whole lot of attention to the CFL in Detroit when you've got a Lions team that, you know, hopefully next year, you know, gets over the hump and, and makes it to the makes it to the Super Bowl.
0: Well, it would be a nice, it would be a nice, nice thing. And if they could have somebody on the sidelines next to Dan Campbell saying, uh, kick a field goal, kick a field goal. (laughs) Now, looking
2: at um, Halifax and looking at Quebec City, is it um, ownership and facilities? Is there any, I know they want to set up the stands in Halifax and and do some things like that, but is is it really... Whatever, if it's one of those two cities, it's it's getting it all. It's getting a stadium built, getting an owner.
0: I think it's a it's a very very similar situation to baseball in Montreal again. Uh, and until they get a real stadium downtown in Montreal, yep. you'll never see baseball in Montreal again. And it's the same same thing I think in Halifax. I mean, they don't even have uh, they have universities, but every time they they do the uh, kind of the uh, CFL. Uh, you know, they, they, they play a game out there. They've got to, they've got to put fake or they've got to put temporary seats up at a, at a college stadium just to get, you know, to get it to 10,000 ish. Uh, But I mean, the people love it. The people have fun, but it's once a year and for 10 dates a year, or nine dates a year, whatever uh, you know, would they be able to have the same enthusiasm? That's a question. That's a good question, but they need a good place. That'll hold 20, 25,000 people.
1: Yeah. So, well, how is we're, 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 Wanted to wrap everything up. Let's go back to free agency. Let's yes, talk yes. where let's,
2: we're I, let's, is that what the topic was? I, I forgot. That's what the thought when we start out it. Go ahead, Dave. I, I have one question. I have one more my own question just going from my notes is Howie, what do you what do you think of Toronto West is gonna do being the Edmonton Elks with <laughs> uh, Bethel Thompson? Getting like like it, it's it seems like hey, you know what? If you if you're from Toronto and you live in Edmonton, we have your favorite Argos playing this well,
0: year. one of the best uh kick returners uh in the in the league, Javon Leak, who played for the Argos last yep. year is out in Edmonton now. Uh Boris Beattie, who has a, you know a, a, a 65-yard leg easily is out in yep. Edmonton now. Uh you know, it, it it's like I I would I personally having grown up with Edmonton being this, this juggernaut that, that was uh, unbeatable uh, when I was younger, I would love to see Edmonton regain that again. And I would love to see the fans of Edmonton just develop that enthusiasm again. Um, I, I I mean, Jed Roberts is a guy who played at Edmonton for 13 years and, and I had him on, on uh, the sports lunatics show uh, in 2023 and, just an amazing guy and and from everything I mean just talking to him for 45 minutes it got me fired up about Edmonton football you know I, I would love to see Edmonton football revived and have a resurgence in 2024 make the playoffs and do some damage I'd love to see it and see those
1: stand see and see that
0: stadium packed oh yes. absolutely yes if not packed at least packed up to a certain level so that the TV cameras don't see empty seats when the ball's being thrown or kicked or something like that yeah.
2: Yeah. Well it was just it's just it's just wild looking at the agency and I'm like Eugene Lewis might not even be considered their number one receiver anymore. Well, how old is he now? Well yeah, that I mean that 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 plays in that that plays into it as well, but it's just it just seems like he just he's 30.
0: It feels like he's been around the CFL forever. It just feels like that. But I mean, there's a lot of guys like that, too, that, that I've, been, yes. I've been watching them and I feel like I've been watching them since I was nine years old, but I haven't really. It's just that's... See, you know. the, the, the pandemic, the pandemic feels like it added 10 years to everybody. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. It, 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 it feels like it added. To, I, I saw something came up in my Facebook uh, uh, memories today, and it's me sitting behind a desk of the Ultimate Sports Quiz. And, uh, you know, I said, oh, my God. I, you know, first of all, my tie looks like something Jerry Seinfeld would have worn in 1992. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it feels like we've all, we've all grown old in a hurry.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's all—it's physically yes, but mentally, nah. We're all no. Oh, you're right. absolutely right. We're and all I, still. You know what? Something
0: old. we were talking about to- all last well, last week—all being 12 years old again. I brought that up today when I was getting the staples removed from my hip. Uh, you know, w- with the nurses that were there, and one of the nurses looked at me and said, "That's a wonderful way to look at things." I said, "Yeah, yep, yeah,
1: let's all be 12 I,
0: years old again."
1: I tell you what, man. I you know I live in in Japan. Japan is growing old. So when we go out. I mean, my wife and I, we're still young compared to, I mean, this country is aging quickly and you know, it's doing it, you know, but that's what the great thing about sports is it keeps us, you know, forever young. And um, I know the, uh, the, the, uh, the Mexican league, the LFA is starting play here very shortly. And I'm completely, I'm geared up like a 10 year old for this league because (laughs) this is the first, you know, at least for me personally, This is the first spring where I am not – my head's not spinning like a top, where I'm not stressing out about life or I'm not stressing out about a lot of things. I'm settled in in Japan. I can focus in on the spring game. I know last year Dave and I, we – that's how Dave and I got to be good friends is doing our little uh, XFL XFL show covering the media. But even then, I really didn't have a whole lot of time, you know, because I was still settling in. But this year I got the LFA – Dave and I, I know we're going to be launching our little Gridiron Mexico, our Gridiron Mexico podcast, um, probably starting the week after next, after our probably next week, but we'll see. It's it's in the works. Um, but I'm genuinely excited not only about, you know, the LFA starting because if
0: you, how have you watched any of those teams or any of those games? No, I haven't. Uh, my my focus here it's it's February and we're getting into uh, the run for the for the hockey playoffs now. So I mean, I've got I've been watching hockey every night, and of course, uh, one of the things that's also on right now is the women's Canadian uh, curling championships. And I know that's not a big deal anywhere else but here. But I, I mean, no, and I'm serious about that. I mean, it's no, one I know. Of those I know. I'm just I agree with you. yeah. I know it's one of those things that when I'm at home at this time of the year, I'll sit down with my mom and we'll watch it together. And the other night. I watched a, an NHL game and then I turned over to the end of, of the, uh, the Scotties, which is the women's championships. And I thought of my mom and my mom's 87 now. And, and, uh, you know, I, I thought of my mom and I, I you know, I posted a thing on Facebook saying, you know, I, I, I wish I was there right now so I could sit there with my mom and watch the end of the Scotties. And, uh, mm. you know, and, and, uh, so it, that's it's just one of those things that it's a family thing, I think more than anything else. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, there's there's so much support, but going, you know, the LFA, they're they're all their games are going to be on YouTube, so watching it not going to be an issue. You don't have to really search for it. you; just go to YouTube and watch the games. And um, then we got the CFL coming up. I mean, really, the CFL season's coming up quicker. I mean,
0: soon. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was no, no. I was going to say one of the things you were talking about, YouTube and stuff like that. Now the CFL has, has uh, come up with streaming uh, uh, options for people because one of the things I used to hear from people all the time, younger people who don't, who aren't, who don't aren't addicted to the cable on their TV or anything like that, is why can't I watch it if I don't have cable? You know, well, now there are all kinds of different options for people to watch CFL games, just like you said, Greg, with with the uh, LFA. You know, it, there there are ways for people to watch the CFL now that they didn't have before. Younger people yeah. can get more engaged with the CFL uh, that way because uh, it's it's easier for them not to, to watch the games without having cable. Right.
1: Well, and everybody watches stuff on you know, everybody whoops, everybody watches stuff on their phones. Exactly. I mean, it, we're you know just even doing this. I mean, you know, um, everything. You know, the world is you know the world went from being on cable from antenna to cable, and now everything's streaming. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just an amazing world we live in. And, um, but going, going back to free agency, we still have a lot of people that have not signed yet. Yes. Who do we have left that has not been signed? And when is the, when does free agency close here? Because there's a couple names on there that, uh, still have not signed and I'm a BC lions fan and there's a lucky seven there that, uh, Yes. I don't
0: know if or gone. lucky whitehead. There's a guy in Ottawa, Sherrod Baltimore, who's a DB that uh has been a, a big cog in, in their defense over the last few years. And he's a fan favorite as well. And and I, I, I can't see him going unsigned. Uh I saw uh Greg Ellingson is as a free agent. Now I mean I know he's getting up there in age now, but but he's a he's a guy who can who can get you some valuable yards when you need it. He's a great route runner. Uh if not he's not the fastest guy, but he's a great route runner and and he can you know he can. Uh, there's, those those are two guys that, that he came to my mind. But Lucky Whitehead, of course, uh, is is a huge name. And Dave, anybody Dave's...
1: anybody else that out there? Uh... Like I said I, I, the
2: biggest one for me is Lucky Whitehead. Is where he's going to go because that that's like I I'm, there's there's some good players out there definitely because you're going to off some offense, good some offensive linemen, some secondary defensive players. But if you're if you're looking to still make a move or make a play, or if you're a team that's out there looking to grab that one more one more piece instead of trying to go through the draft and try and do this and try and do that and try and piecemeal something. That's what that's why I think is the, the biggest prize left. But there's only there's only nine teams. And he's probably not going to re-sign with it, the the options available to are it's it's really Calgary, they, 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 you look at the options who are out there, it, it's,
0: I can see why he's waiting. <laughs> I, can, I well, can see The why. problem with waiting too, is that with CFL free agency, the way it is, the amount of money just goes, squeezes and squeezes and yes. squeezes, as, as yep. you, the closer you get to the end of free agency. And so will there be money left to sign a guy like Lucky Whitehead? It, it, true, 100%. And I mentioned earlier that I, that I had asked Don Landry, uh, in his, in his talks with Tim White, you know, what Ottawa, how close Ottawa was to Hamilton's offer. And he messaged me back and he said, thanks. Tim's a great guy to speak with. No, I don't have specifics on Ottawa's offer. So that's all I can tell you right now.
2: But but I'm curious too, it with, with Whitehead's case too, it, when I brought up earlier about that mysterious marketing money piece, if he, he could be sitting on a couple offers and his agent going, can you get me twenty five thousand more for this or that? Like, I, I they uh, when you brought up Chad Kelly, or they restructured his and a lot of his original deal was that marketing money that technically they don't have to give him. It, it's one of those things where there's a minimum they have to spend, no ceiling. So they can go, we'll give you two hundred thousand dollars, and it's up to them to actually give it to you or not. So, I'm curious too if there's some offers on the table for some of these players and they're just trying, okay, you're going to give me 25. Who can give me 30? Like it it just, it just wander along and see where that it might be $175,000 a year, but 245 after the incentives of the marketing money and and see who can, who can find enough um, Canadian tire or, or Tim Hortons money floating around that they can take out of this piece of the budget and put into this piece of the budget because I'll be honest when I in my days working um, in minor league hockey we had one of our one of our minority owners wanted to sign um, a career journeyman minor league player and he went to the owner and said look I will pay for his salary Wow sign him and I will write the check to have him here because he's a friend of mine I want, and he was a really good player. So, I mean, I'm not gonna, it, it was a, it was a great decision because he led the team in scoring. It was, it was a, it was a great move, but it was one of those things where being an affiliate of the Buffalo Sabres, the old thing you had, well, years ago, you had five or six veterans that you could bring in. And once you get to a certain number, you can, and you have a but. He goes, Nope, I want him. I will gladly write a check for him. So curious if that is the case with some of the owners as well. It's like, Right, we'll see what you can
0: get and then we'll sub- supplement it over here with the rest. One of the things that's always been a huge source of frustration, not just for me, but for a lot of people has been the, the, the coaching cap, which I, I would love to see the CFL scrap that and, and uh, just, you know, pay the coaches and pay, pay the front office people, whatever you you want to pay them. It, it doesn't make any sense for me uh, that there's a coaching cap, but I, I, what, I mean, is, maybe... what is the, what is the cap? Is it where were they capped out at? I don't know the actual number, okay, but I know right. that it does prevent it does prevent a lot of teams from from uh, from getting the people that they want to get in terms in certain positions. But then I Isn't look at the is, Red Blacks. It's based on the whole staff, right, Howie? Is that I how it is? So. I believe so. Yeah, right, but Sorry. I know I look at I look at Ottawa's staff this year, and I know how they used to get by with a head coach, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and now they've got nine coaches. So I mean, I, they're doing it somehow in Ottawa. Well, it's, um, yeah, I didn't know they, I did
1: not know that there was a, and I probably should have known that, but I didn't realize that there was a, a significant cap on the amount of money paid to the coaches.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's a huge source of frustration for a lot of, a lot of fans uh, and a lot of people in the game as well. Wow. Wow. And um,
1: I'm trying to think here, what other topics on the CFL? any, any guys, any topics that I'm, that I've kind of, Missed, there was something that came we, out tonight
0: taught. right before we went to air. There was a story that came out in Toronto and it's not a good news story. Um, it's it's a story about a uh, strength and conditioning coach, a female strength and conditioning coach in Toronto, uh, Rick Westhead, uh, who is has tremendous sources and he's the guy that blew the lid off of the, uh, the story about the junior hockey players in London in 2018. Uh, but he says that Chad Kelly uh, sexually harassed the female strength and conditioning coach and when she went to the assistant GM uh, he said, you're opening uh, a can of, of worms that you should not be opening. And so now, uh, I don't know any more than that, 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 that was right before we went out, uh, went on the air. Uh, but I'm sure we'll hear more of that in the future. Mm, yeah.
1: And that's not good. I mean, that's not, that's not, that's just not good. No, That's just not good. And, no. uh, Dave, anything else that I, uh, any, any other CFL topics, uh, before we, uh, get off air here?
2: No, it was it was good talk, good 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 job. It's fun, gentlemen. Yeah.
1: And it's it it's Howie. It well, we didn't talk about your book. I know we talked about your book last week, but for those who have not seen or heard the last episode, tell everybody about your
0: book. Well, uh, my I have two books out in 2023: Crazy Days and Wild Nights, and More Crazy Days and Wild Nights. Uh, both of them. I mean, I'm a sports history guy. The stories in the books are sports history, but they have a twist in them and usually in most of the stories that I've in both books, there's something unforeseen, unplanned for that happens that forces the principals in the stories to have to deal with them for a period of time, possibly the rest of their career or the rest of their lives. In some cases, uh, some of the stories are sad. Some of the stories are violent. Some of the stories are hilarious, uh, but uh, there are they are stories that uh, 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 what people tell me they, they're loving the stories that they're reading um, and uh, uh, I, I, this week I've had a number of people message me through social media saying, how can I get a signed copy? Uh, I sent out a copy to South, South, Car- South Carolina the other day, just ha- before we came on the air, there was a guy, uh, in, uh, uh I believe he's in Peoria, Illinois, and he wants a copy. And, uh, he's, he just, he said, he's mailing me a check. Uh, it's, it's, nice. it's that kind of thing, uh, where, you know, get, get the book on Amazon. That's the best place to get it. Uh, if you have prime, it'll be at your place in a day or a day and a half, but, if you want to message me on social media, if you want a signed copy, we'll, we can figure out a way to get you a copy as well.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. And how can everybody find you on social media um, and with the
0: Sports Lunatic Show? Well, we didn't even get you. to that. Happy thank anniversary
1: to, uh, for, for the Sports <laughs> Lunatic Show. And that's right. Today it's our fourth was, anniversary
0: uh, today. And wow. our very first episode was about something else that happened on this date in sports history. It was about the miracle on ice. Uh, our first show was on this date in 2020. It was the 40th anniversary of the miracle on ice. That episode, it's a very subdued episode conta- con- con- compared to the way we do our shows today. But that episode is available. You can listen to it on Apple's podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn radio, radio, Google podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, just scroll down and, and you'll, you'll see, it'll say our first episode. Uh, and it's about that. But also, the sports uh, You can find a whole bunch of, of material there. Uh, there's new material going up pretty much every day. Uh, we just posted a, a, a piece that we did yesterday on the 50th anniversary of the passing of Tim Horton. Dave, you remember that. I remember that. Uh, I mean, I was 14 years old. At that time, and I was over at a friend's place when we heard the news. And back then, the news was transmitted a lot differently than it is today. It took time for stories to make it out to to uh, different places. And by the time we heard it, it was the next morning. And I remember looking at my buddy John Hughes, and we looked at each other just in shocked silence that that uh, Tim Horton had, had had was gone. And I think of him when he played with the Leafs. Can you imagine a Leafs defense pairing of Tim Horton and Boreas Salming together? Those two guys. They're strong like oxes. And there's a a Tim Horton story that I heard and he was in a hotel on a road trip and uh, he put some money into a a Coke machine or a, a pop machine on his floor. And he went down to the front desk to say that like the pop machine didn't give me my pop. And they said, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it right now. Uh, but I'll look at it, you know, when I get a chance to look at the machine. Tim Horton went up to his floor, picked up the the pop machine, put it in the elevator, carried it down to the lobby, and carried it out to the front lobby. the front of the the guy. He was that strong. and and he said, "Here's the machine. It won't give me my pop. You know, and that's how strong <laughs> Tim Horton was. Um, t- when when he opened his first Tim horton's restaurant, the the you know the uh, the donut shops that that everybody knows um in Canada and in parts of the u s. Uh, his first one was in Hamilton, and uh, he he was playing for the Leafs at the time, and he he convinced five of the Leafs teammates to go out to, uh, to the restaurant to sign autographs, and he promised each of them twenty five bucks, and at the end of the the little segment of time, you know, he was paying each guy twenty five bucks, and he got to Johnny Bauer, and and he didn't have twenty five dollars to give to Johnny Bauer. He says, "I promise, I'll give it to you tomorrow morning when we have our morning skate." So, the guys get to the arena, Johnny Bauer gets to his stall in the uh, in the um, the dressing room and he he sees there's $25 worth of donuts all stacked up in his stall and he says tim get these out of here punch punch going to think i'm i'm just a donut eating pig you know I, and uh you know th- th- these are the the stories of tim horton that go around and and uh but uh, yeah tim horton's 50th anniversary of his passing yesterday our latest piece up on the sportslunatics.com is is the uh, is there
2: and uh yeah i'll definitely be putting the all it was the, a great, uh, great episode, Howie. You, you and Sean, great episodes. Fantastic. Oh, thanks
0: Dave. Thank you yeah. so much. I appreciate it. Uh, we've got the the YouTube version uh, up on on uh, the lunatics.com right now, so uh check that out. And uh yeah, hopefully next time, you know, next time we sit down and
1: talk, we can bring Sean on too. So Absolutely. He a- he
0: hosts the trivia nights on Thursday nights, so that's that's the reason he can't be here tonight or, or last week. But yeah, Well,
2: he, he, yeah. Yeah, it's go, a great oh, source ahead. of fun for him.
0: It's a great source of fun for him too hosting those trivia nights, but uh yeah uh, that's why he's not here on Thursday nights. Yeah,
1: well we'll definitely, you know, as as we march through, you know, towards the start of the CFL season, we'll we'll figure something out uh to, to get all four of us on screen here. Sure. And um for um so with that said, um, going to sign off here for everybody who is wa- who ends up watching because we're doing a live stream um, right now. But this is going to be on the YouTube. Our um, if you look for Gridiron America on YouTube, that's where you can find it. There's going to be a there's a we have a Facebook page from the 55 yard line is on that's our Facebook page. But you can also find the podcast itself at from the 55 yard line ca and that's on the sports history network and um dave and i uh like i said we like you know what we've been doing weekly shows here so um it's always good to sit down and talk just talk sports so um you know how obviously you know y- you're you're now an unofficial part of the team <laughs> so hopefully uh and how how's the recovery going
0: i know uh how how soon before you get back on the field to play uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I feel like I'm walking around like uh, like Igor on uh, Young Frankenstein right now. But one of the nurses at the hospital today said, "You know, you're walking pretty well for a guy who had a hip replacement two weeks ago." So I'll take I'll take whatever I can get that way. I I don't feel like I'm like I'm walking that well, but but she thought I was walking well. So anyway, I just and, and I wanted to say thanks to you guys for having me on uh, tonight. Uh, it's it's uh, it's great fun coming on with you guys, and, and always fun to talk about but the CFL and whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, and we got to do more of
1: this too because I mean, with CFL season approaching, um, and we got a lot of football in the next few months with you know the LFA, the UFL, the the CFL, and that's before we even start you know talking NFL. But lastly, too, we've got CF when
0: does the CFL draft come? That's coming up quick, too. It is, it is coming up. Uh, I know training camps will be open. It it just feels like it's like we're already at the end of February almost, and I just can't believe it. Uh, but training camps will be open probably in, in the beginning of May and, uh, uh, the season will be starting in June and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's coming on us really fast. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. Just how quick, I mean, the, the seasons are changing. I know next week I just got <gasps> the alerts, uh, the Japanese baseball season, spring training games are going to be on TV. So yeah, it's quickly going from winter into spring here, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun spring, I think. It's well, been, it just it's got be reported a lot today. To, a lot to it got about. reported today that
0: Hanjin Ryu, who was pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays for the last few years, has signed with uh, a team in the in the KBO, the Korean baseball organization. Ah. So, you know, yeah, he, he's he's uh, he's gonna be there. The,
2: the richest deal ever, wasn't it? Like he got he got paid a lot of money to go back.
0: I'm not surprised. Yeah, a, a, a guy of his stature, a guy, and he could still yeah. pitch in the, in in Major League Baseball. So, uh, yeah, for him well, to, be able to go back there, it's. Uh, I mean, it's good for him and good for the league. I, yeah. I hope it. Uh, I hope they get uh, they can recoup all that.
1: Well, it's funny because you know the Koreans have got to keep pace with the Japanese when it comes to baseball because last year in the World Baseball Classic. Korea lost to Japan yet again. So there's a lot of national pride that goes on with baseball on this side of the world. And, um, you know, Dave and I, I remember last year, Dave and I were sitting down watching, we are basically watching the world baseball classic together and watching Japan, um, you know, beat the USA. And, uh, it's just, you know, most of the country was watching the game. And I know back in the States and then back in Canada, people don't watch baseball like they used to. Well,
0: I was at my mom's place. I was at my mom's place that that night and I can remember watching, you know, Shohei Ohtani and Mark, and Mike Trout and it, that that showdown to end that game. It was just it was it was absolutely riveting. Well, I tell you what, the major, major league baseball, if they have
1: financial problems, <laughs> they can just sell this this place. Uh, you can it's like printing money here with Shohei Ohtani stuff. Oh, I'm it's sure everywhere. Every everybody's a Dodgers fan. They used to be Angels fans. Now they're Dodger fans. Yeah. Um, And my mother in law the other day is like, um, "You're gonna ro- basically implied. Are you gonna root for the Dodgers?" I'm like, no. I'm a Cub <laughs> fan. I grew. I you know once you you grow up with the team, you don't let it go, especially for the Dodgers.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I know. I have a friend who is is. uh, a diehard Dodger hater. And, uh, I mean, I grew up liking the Dodgers. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was a Montreal Expos fan to start. And then I looked enviously around around baseball at teams like the Reds, you know, and the Big Red Machine, and the Dodgers, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, who were all these strong, strong teams. And my my poor Expos didn't start to gain respectability until Tony Perez was traded to Montreal in seventy in the winter of 76 and going into 77. And from there, they went to uh, 77, 78, 79. 79, I think they won They won 90-some games, and they finished a game and a half behind Pittsburgh, the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates that year. And uh, they were that close. And that that 79 Expos team is one of the best Expos teams I think they've ever put on the field.
1: Yeah, I remember that 79 season. well. I was like 12 years old. And um, I'm trying to think. What year was it that Pete Rose played for the the Expos?
0: Howie, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Were you able to hear that? He got his 4,000th hit as a member of the Expos. No, I didn't hear it. We had a glitch in
1: the the Matrix here.
0: I believe it was 80, 1980. Uh, But yeah, Pete Rose got his 4,000th hit as a Montreal
1: Expo. Okay. Yeah, because I remember he played for... He had you know, basically... Or did he play in '84? Now that I'm thinking he, about it, it was '84. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. You're right. It was '84. And it the reason after, why it was yeah. after oh, they, they had sorry. made it was after they had made their runs uh, in '80, 80, and '81, and '82. You're right. It was '84. Because my most memorable Montreal
1: Expos moment, and I there's you know it that's a limited selection is really of one. Um, I was at Wrigley Field with my dad. It was my birthday. It, it was a present for my birthday, and that was the year the Cubs won. The, you know, won the division, and Pete Rose pinched, was pinch hitting, and he hit the ball. It was a line drive which bounced off of, it might have been Lee Smith, oh. and you know it was an out. You know, it was caught for an out and everything fast forward 40 years later during a cell they had a celebration on WGN of of Wrigley Field and famous moments I'll be damned if they didn't show that play and I'm like all excited showing my wife I go I was at that game and Marco's like yeah big yeah that's nice so but that's my that's my most favorite Montreal Expos moment was that moment I was actually watching that but it's you know we all have our we all have our own personal baseball moments. So, we how do, about you, Dave? Anything? Because anybody who's listening to the audio is not seeing the fact that Dave is wearing a Montreal Expos hat.
0: Yes, and I love that hat, by the way. Yeah, I, I, uh, the, this is my
2: fourth one. My first one I got was I, I went. In, I was in Montreal the summer before my daughter was born. So this is 2017, and I went into 15 different. Oh stores in montreal looking for an expose hat really was, I, I was shocked it was that hard to find like we were walking right in downtown montreal like in every single shop just uh, doing the touristy thing just walking in Expo's hat like that's <laughs> like but i finally found one i was like i'm just gonna take it i just grabbed it i'm like i gotta get it so it's nice that mlb has brought it back to be able to get more of them because for a while there was it was really hard to get i didn't old school blue, the old full blue yes. with the logo when I was a kid growing up, but it, it's hard to, it, it was really hard to find for a long time. Well, it's funny I you remember should when,
0: mention it. Oh, I remember when we were kids, the, the, uh, when the Expos came in in 69, uh, there was a grocery store that was Montreal based. It was called Steinberg's and we had one in Ottawa, not far from where we lived. And my mom would do her groceries there every Friday night. And we, we demanded that she go to Steinberg's because they had all the Expos merchandise. Well, they didn't have a lot, but you could get the plastic uh, batting helmets, you know, the souvenir yep. batting helmets. And uh, I remember seeing somebody with the shiny blue Expos jacket. And I thought, oh, 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 yeah, that in 1969, 1970, that was something that was like that was like having the precious, the, the ring, the precious, you know, <laughs> precious. <laughs>
1: Well, it's funny, you know, you're talking about looking high and low for Expos merchandise. When we were in Montreal last year, it was right before we went to Canada. We spent seven days in Canada before we hopped on a plane and and moved over here. But going into, especially like, well, in the old city, in in the old quarter, there was Montreal Expo stuff everywhere. It was, I was amazed. And I didn't buy any Expo stuff, though I wanted to, but I got gently gently talked (laughs) out of it um, because there was a lot there. But I was looking for, and this is kind of tying in with the CFL, but I was looking for a Montreal, anything Montreal Alouettes. Oh. I found in one, I couldn't find anything. I mean, there was one shop that sold my favorite style, you know, those relaxed fit caps with the current Montreal Alouettes logo. And then there was another shop I found obscure back in the back with dust on it, stuff with the old logo. With yes, the, when after they they came up from Baltimore. Yes, but there was nothing other than that. So it's like, you know, th- it, you know, for those, it was it was disheartening to see there was just no Al- LOE stuff. It, you know, so you know. Uh, but is it the same in Ottawa? Is it the same in Toronto? Can you find that stuff? Because even in Ottawa, I couldn't find Red Black stuff.
0: Really. Did you go yeah. to the red black shop? There's a red black well, shop at Lansdowne park.
1: Down? Okay. It's, no, I know we never made it down
0: to Lansdowne park, but oh, you know, I was over it's, by it's, the, I was over by parliament
1: and oh, yeah. I didn't see
0: anything. It, it depends on where you go. Uh, but I mean, like I say, Ottawa's was a funny place. Uh, but if you go like, I, I took my son to the shop, uh, one, one time, this is a few years ago. It was, it was after the 2017 Grey cup. So it was going into 2018. And, uh, for some reason we had, we had, we were walking around and we were, we were close to the field. We stopped at the giant statue of Frank Claire and I put my program up on the thing to help him either tie a tie up something or do something. Forgot the program there. The next year we went to the shop and told them that they, we bought some, a few things. They gave us another program from the game. Oh, um, nice. It's <clears throat> not the same thing, but it's, it, it's something. And, and yeah. I mean, what that's one of my pet peeves now in a lot of sports venues is that there are no programs anymore. There are no tickets anywhere anymore either. It's it's all on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the CFL has really never done
1: a great job of marketing itself, um, which has always been frustrating. And I know it's frustrating, you know, up there and just as frustrating for people living outside of Canada just to get the swag. I mean, I don't have, yeah. I mean, I'd love to have a ton of CFL stuff. I mean, in the back, I've got a ton of CFL mini helmets, Yes. but those were all purchased. You know, uh, those all, you know, those all came from the States, but yeah, it's just frustrating as a CFL fan that the, the, the and that'll probably be a topic for for another show that we do is just the way the CFL, the CFL obviously needs to get, you know, get into the third century of the 20 getting it to the third decade of the 21st century (laughs) or into the 20 in
0: the 21st century would be good too.
1: Yeah. Just something to market, market it and, uh, get the younger kids, younger fans excited about it, including, you know, maybe an add on, a CFL add on for, for man football.
0: Something. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I bought tickets for a, a red blacks game through the website, back in 2014 and i get emails all the time still and they still send me emails for when they're when the red blacks are having their team equipment sale because they they can't use equipment from one year to the next it just loses it so I, i i have a red blacks helmet i have a couple of practice jerseys as well uh that i bought one time when when my son and i were there in ottawa on the day of the sale and we lined up and by the time we got into the into the room to get stuff, there wasn't much left, but, you know, we got, yeah. like I said, we got a helmet and a couple of practice jerseys. And, I mean, it doesn't matter to me who they are. It's just the fact that they've got the CFL logo on the yoke. Right. And, uh, you know, it's – it's and the, the Red Blacks helmet is a real Red Blacks helmet. Nigel Romick wore it uh, at, in, in 2015. So, I mean, I that that's all that matters to me. Yeah. I know when I was in
1: Quebec City in 2002, um, I – there was a lot of shops sold a lot of NFL stuff, and this was right after the the Alouettes I think won the Great Cup that year, and there was I found
0: one I found one Alouettes jersey,
1: that was it. So I, I've
0: never been a fan of the Alouettes new logos. I mean, from from I don't know two thousand on. I mean, but the thing is, I, I can I have a memory that goes back to. You know the 60s of the alouettes and when they wore red jerseys with that with similar to the philadelphia eagles except it was a red leaf on the on the white helmet you know yeah. and, and uh or red wing sorry on the white helmet and uh i mean then then they went to a green jersey with with a, a stylized a uh that was a, a bird's head uh you know and then it, just from there you know then they had the triangle with the m a on it uh and it just goes go back to all that and I found those are a lot more imaginative, or a lot more, I guess, uh magnetic or compelling than than the new stuff is to me, anyway. Yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's much like you know, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Dave. Every now and then, when we do a podcast, Dave will pop up with his creamsicle, <laughs> his creamsicle Buccaneers hat with the old logo, and, and rightly me, so. Yeah, that's the way that that's that's you know whether you know I I I love the old logos, love the old the old school some of the you know like right now with toronto they've gone
0: to the light blue is kind of their primary color yeah that's a great look personally i would love to see them go back to the 70s uh the 1971 joe theisman style jersey the dark blue with the white Mm. numbers and the and the light blue and white stripes on the arm that that to me was the most beautiful toronto argonaut uniform that ever was
1: well, on that note, we will wrap up the fashion segment of our, our, our podcast. And, um, listen, everybody who's, um, tuning in. And if you're watching, if you end up what if you're watching this on YouTube, very much. Thank you very much for, for stopping by to give us a watch. And we're going to be this, you know, I think, you know, a couple things here as, as we're wrapping up here, number one, no blue screen of death. So this, this seemed to work well. Uh, second of all, you know we've got all three of us here in the uh in the uh in the screen which i did not have using zoom on the last one that we did so i think uh, i think streamyard might be the keeper here and uh unless i am uh unless i see anything different cuz doing these video things everybody's been doing them and people have been saying to me hey you got to do the video you got to do the video you got to do the video well i think this might be the the route to go cuz it's simple i can put a logo Let's see right up there. I can put the logo right up there where the duck is. And uh, that's all I really need to do. Now I just need to figure out how to do uh, a nice fancy intro like uh, some of these other guys do with their, their video cast. And I think we will be set. So part of the learning curve. So I'm actually farther along in this learning how to video, learning how to do this video stuff than I thought I would be about two weeks ago. So all right. With all that said, hey, thank you very much for everybody who is listening and watching. And um, we will be back next week. Don't know what our topic is going to be. Uh, hopefully, we'll have our plan is to bring Fran back to do a Around the League segment. And um, you know, everybody and Howie, we'll be talking more CFL football here uh, as we kind of go along. Because especially after the draft. Once after the draft, I know we're get, we're definitely going to be doing a, a post-draft show. So. Okay. Well, with all that said on my part, thank you very much for tuning in and we will be talking to you and seeing you very, very soon. Bye-bye.